Okay, and welcome back to Fast Ship Performance then. My name is Sim Davies. Today we're back in the attack shack, dropping some truth bombs on your personal battlefields, helping you to win the wars you are fighting. There is people out there, in there, fighting some wars, and so we're here to solve them. And so I am here with my camera, my tea, and my knowledge fam. Mm. And what we're going to do today is have a look at a flight safety report then. That came out from the Royal Air Force uh, last week, probably, I don't know. I've dropped it, like you do, on the Facebooks and uh, the Air Force got really upset with me. So I thought I'd better explain it. And the reason I thought I'd better explain it is because a young girl's written to me and uh, she just asked me to explain some terms. So I'm not gonna go all out jumping in with both feet, hating on the Air Force, because that's not what I'm about, okay? I just want people to be safer when they fly. And this incident report or accident report is what, what it is, is very much similar to uh, what was happening on a squadron with this airplane here, boom, that I was on from about 2012 through to about 2018. Around about 2014, we stopped this squadron flying, maybe 2013 in fact, for six months, so that I could get all my instructors trained, so that my instructors then could train the students. We're gonna talk about this. We're not gonna leap ahead of ourselves, but what I will say now is, is my wedding anniversary. I was gonna put a figure in there, but I have absolutely no idea how long I'll be married. That's probably quite a bad thing if my wife sees this tape in it. So I bought her a card and a Terry's chocolate orange. I'm not a cheapskate, right? And she got me nothing, so, I am willing to swap her out for a new model or two. So in the comments below, if you fancy a bit of FJP, chuck it in here, let's get some threesomes on. I'll be honest though, I couldn't imagine anything worse than a threesome. Can you imagine two women in bed? All that chat, it'd be like, oh, I like your shoes. Not interested in that. Anyway, enough about my sexual deviancy and preferences. I don't really have any, to be fair. I'm not the most exciting bloke in the world when it comes to that stuff. Um, I'm just a bit normal. <laughs> just, just damn, I don't like the drama. But either way, I expect more than uh, not getting a card or a chocolate orange on my wedding anniversary. Wife, note please. Maybe a box of Maltesers, I don't know. A Freddy Frog or something. You know, make a token effort at least, you know. I've got a bag of carrots in the fridge. I could have left those out on the side and then you could have pretended to give them to me, you know. Anyway, so I'm here feeling very rejected. Someone else who's feeling very rejected, it seems, is the person who's written this uh, day saw, this accident safety report coming out of 72 Squadron, west side of Wales at RAF Valley. Uh, but the young lady wrote to me, Dear Sir Tim, I'm not joking, she's written that. So Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton, had to uh, win seven Grand Prix World Championships to get that, didn't he? I just have to open my email to get my sir. So there you go. Who really is worth 35 million? I think it's me. If you did watch that Bahrain race, you, you will see why Sir Lewis Hamilton is worth 35 million pounds a year. Just holding off Max Verstappen at the end there with tyres, Lewis's tyres were hard tyres with 27 laps done on them. Max comes in with his hard tyres with 11 laps on them. He's, he's, he's gaining on Lewis the whole time. Lewis says to Bono, I've got this, and just holds, holds Max off to the end. Just one of the greatest pieces of uh, race driving I think I've ever seen, ever. Big Lewis fan, big Max fan, by the way. Dear Sir Tim, recently on your Facebook page for FJP, you wrote about a flying accident report, but I don't understand some of the terms that were used. Can you tell me what they mean? As I would like to learn, and I'm starting a PPL course soon, so I hope this can make me safer. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's why you, that's why you release reports openly, guys. You are the goat of explaining complicated reports, and I follow you on YouTube. Thank you, K. Her initial is K. So, yeah, I don't mind being listed as a farmyard animal. <laughs> I'm quite more than happy with that. But let's get into the report, shall we? Now, before we do, I actually put on Facebook, guys. Uh, let me have a look down here. On Facebook, I wrote, this can only be described as an appalling situation in the UK military flying training system, UK MFTS, and very much in the public's interest. 72 Squadron flies the Texan T1 at RAF Valley, the same base that is home to 25 Squadron and 4 Squadron. 
formerly both those squadrons were four squadron by the way, both of them four squadrons, flying the Hawk T2. Got 28 of these airplanes, just separated them into two and called them two different squadrons. Because then you get an extra boss and three flight commanders and it makes the admin a lot easier. Um, the Texan T1 was renamed, it's actually the Texan T6C, if you're an American dude or somewhere out in the real world, you'll know what that means. And I brought those 10 aircraft in as a requirements manager when I left the Air Force, or when I was leaving the Air Force, sorry. And now they've gone and bought another four because they the numbers change them. There's reasons for that, doesn't matter. In 2012, I was a flight commander on four squadron, which was going through an almost identical situation to that which is highlighted in this Defence Air Safety Occurrence Report, otherwise known as a day saw. I eventually managed to convince the boss to get, the, get an external human factors assessment done by the RAF Centre of Aviation Medicine, which is called RAFCAM, who came and conducted an operational event analysis, a close look at flight safety. This led to the cessation of all student flying until I could train up my instructors who, as in the, this report, were not getting the flying currency and qualifications they required and were suffering from significant stress in the workplace. So, when the RF tells me that they have learnt the lessons of UKMFHS during this time, this day saw suggests otherwise. Personally, I don't believe the RAF, and nor do a high number of service personnel pan defence who sent me the same report. It doesn't seem like people are your greatest asset here, but it does help to clarify the RAF's retention issues. Lastly, for the author of this day saw, who I do not know and did not send this to me, from an old grey bomber pilot, if you are taking flak, it usually means you are bang on target. Now, I did tell the RAF I was publishing this day saw. Uh, it is through something called the Aviation Safety Information Management System, or ASIMS. Uh, and the ASIMS does state that the proactive reporting of air safety concerns by personnel from across the defence environment is fundamentally maintaining continual awareness of the risks facing our people. Let's get rid of Facebook, shall we? So, some dude's got or dude out. I don't know who this is, by the way. Genuinely, I don't know who it is. And I haven't asked because I don't care. Genuinely, I don't care. Uh, someone on the squadron is worried that they're walking into some kind of like an accident state. And that's fair enough, because when you read it, they are. There's no two ways about it. They absolutely are walking into um, a very difficult place that's very hard to come back from unless it's sorted out quickly. Now, of course, I'm not blaming anyone here. This is, this is I'm not here to have to get my lawyer involved again, um, who's a lovely person, but really expensive. <laughs> they just are. Not look very good, of course. I'm actually had to use them recently with a defamation case against me, but I actually stopped that going through and I will do a YouTube video about that particular army officer in due course because I'm not vindictive. It's not about that. Um, it's just about helping people out understand, you know, these kind of attacks that we get when we're in the public space. Now, the they saw the report coming out of 72. There's got some terms in it, guys, that are hard to understand if you're not in the flying community. So I'll, I'll put it up on screen. I'll go through it for you. It's about squadron fatigue and mental health. Exactly the same thing that happened with this jet here, as I said, back in 2012 when the squadron was just crumbling. And, and the main gist of the matter is in flying training, what happens? I'm just going to uncover part of the screen here so I can see. What happens when you're flying these airplanes is you've got to get students through. So students come in the front door and they have to go out the back door. All right. So they come in the front, they go out the back, and then they go to the frontline jets like this one. It's not flying anymore. It's a tornado GL4. In fact, the station commander here, lovely guy, I flew with on this jet. Okay. I flew with him on this jet. So I'm not blaming the station commander here. I'm not a blame guy. This rests up at director of flying training level, if at all. Okay. It's a very complicated problem. It's one of those wicked problems. But either way, it's not like they didn't know about it almost a decade ago. Now, I left the Royal Air Force mid-2018, okay? So I'm not that familiar anymore with this squad. I brought the jets in, don't know the people, not this, the Texan T6C, T1. Now, when the students come in, they come in the front door, they've got to be trained by instructors, and then they leave, and they go to the front line. The thing is, those front line pilots are also coming back in to be instructors. 
Now, you can't just come off a frontline jet like this one or the F-35 or the Typhoon and end up teaching on the Hawk here or the, the T-1. It's a complicated business. You need training yourself. It normally takes about nine months to train an instructor. It can be compressed, but it can take up to nine months. And they're there for a two and a half year tour. So you want to accelerate that process as much as you can, which means you need to prioritize your instructors. And that is not what happens in the United Kingdom military flying training system where the financial incentivization is to get students out on time. You can see where this is happening now. So of course, the same instructors that train, train the students, a lot of those instructors also train other instructors. That makes sense. And that's what my men did. And I didn't have any women. It was all men. Okay. So my men I had 12 men. Those men were trained the instructors, trained pilots that came back from these kind of aircraft. They trained them to be instructors on this kind of aircraft. Now, my team also the top instructors on the squadron. So those instructors will also do a lot of, not the tests, but the, the help if students are failing stuff, they go and help those students out. Those are the guys I turn to, the guys with what's called an A2 qualification. And A2 is quite a high above average pilot and above average instructor qualification in the Royal Air Force. Okay, it's a Central Flying School accredited qualification. Um, so they are held in high regard and they are quite valuable people and all now out in Saudi Arabia because of course we didn't treat them very well and they left and they're flying exactly the same aircraft on about 20 grand a month out there in Saudi. And why not? Why not indeed, okay? Because if you don't look after your people, your people leave. Stop walking around saying our greatest asset is our people when it's fundamentally not true. Your greatest asset for the Royal Air Force is your reputation and you know it. That's why you sacrifice your people first. And that's what's happening here. Let's go over this OJAR. Wrong. Let's go over this day saw, shall we? So squadron fatigue and mental health. Narrative description of event. Now this person, I think they're quite a senior person. They might be a flight commander. So one of three flight commanders on the squadron. Um, Okay, so, okay, okay. There's four parts to this. Fatigue, currency, mental health, and morale. And there is resolution at the bottom there as well. And I've got some terms at the bottom that I'm going to go through with you whenever we reach one of those terms, okay? Just so you know. So just so set up, UKMFTS then, uh, a company called Ascent Flight Training, is, is full of military people as well now. They run this. I'm not having to go at Ascent. Ascent is growing a lot and it's hamstrung by these contracts, unfortunately. And the main thing about the contracts, from what I remember, a load of people have contacted me about this. Um, the problem with the contracts, guys, is the contracts didn't really provide for instructor training. It said the Royal Air Force will provide instructors. Ascent felt, probably rightly so, in fact, that those instructors would already be trained. And the Royal Air Force probably felt, rightly so, that those instructors would need to be trained because they're just pilots on the front line. So it both has a point. And until you redo that contract, which is probably never going to happen, you're never going to win this. And it's always going to be one of those wicked problems. Of course, 10 years ago, you could have learned from that, decided not to, Tim does a video on it. Sucks to be you guys, especially as this will be cleared by my lawyer before it goes out. Narrative of events. I write as I'm gravely concerned for the flight safety and personal well-being on 72 Squadron. The squadron comprises 12 trained QFIs, qualified flying instructors, guys. 10 student QFIs, so people from the front line, coming to the front line to become instructors, but they need training, so they're student QFIs, and 24 student pilots. 24 student pilots. You've now got more student pilots on that squadron than you do have instructors that are trained. Okay, you've got to be careful with this, guys. The, the ratios have got to be very, very balanced, and that's not a great ratio to have. When you're stacking students at the back end, I can instantly see from this what's happened is you're prioritizing student training over instructor training. I can tell that straight away before I even read it. I have read it before, though, so that does what it says, uh, is what it says. Fatigue. The small cadre of QFIs, so the small cadre of instructors, are now working long hours in a very inefficient system. Despite only flying about 140 hours a year, that's about right, 11 hour days are the norm. Well, that's exactly what I was flying. 
The scheduling is done by, I'm not saying it's right by the way, the scheduling is done by a different scheduler every day with no notice taken of duty hours on the previous day. Recently this has regularly resulted in gaso rest limits being compromised and occasionally duty day limits being exceeded. Gasos is Group S staff orders, they're now called regulatory articles, it's the same thing. It just limits um, how much of the day you're able to fly, okay? Enough tea fam, enough tea. So people are exceeding their duty day is what they're saying. The schedule is seemingly programmed randomly. There appears to be no attempt to keep to early or late shifts. So it is near impossible to plan a life around work, time of family, etc. Further, the random and short notice scheduling means that obligations such as medical appointments and ground training cannot be booked in advance around flying, leading to stressful and inefficient planning. When an obligation is booked, it is regularly challenged and asked if it is essential. Weather is not properly accounted for and there is no attempt to maintain instructor continuity, even for those students who are struggling. Now, when I was going through four squadron here, I did um, the advanced radar workup with uh, um, one of my pilots called Ben. So we were both being taught by our own men, essentially. And it took Ben a year, uh, <laughs> it took Ben and I a year to do the five trips on advanced radar. You can tell now, can't you? You do five trips over the year. I remember walking out for one of those trips with Ben and I said, um, mate, at what, what stage are we gonna fail this trip? And Ben said, probably on the taxiing out. And he's so right, you know what I mean? It's just, your currency is so important, especially as an instructor. And advanced radar was a really, and still is a very hard discipline that I teach, by the way, elements of, on my Shadowlands flying training server. Bringing those throttles up again, to where they were, keeping my turn going, as I've leveled at 17,000 feet. If you fly DCS, go to um, the notes at the bottom here, go to my notes and find the uh, patron, jump in there, basically your advance, come with me and I'll teach you to fly a very similar syllabus to this one, in fact. So you've got to keep these guys current and there's nothing worse than being instructed on a new aeroplane, such as the T6 or T1, sorry, and uh, being underconfident, okay? It's, it's very difficult. It's a horrible life to lead, to be fair. This is why people always go, oh, it must be great being a jet pilot. No, not necessarily, not necessarily at all. It can be very, very dissatisfying in very many ways. I hate to say it, it just can. Anyway, so yeah, so your family's having, a, you know, people are, you don't know when you're going home. One thing I tried to do on the squadron was um, say to my guys, like, I want you to work early or late. So, so at least during a week, just a week, or, you know, every week, you get to either drop your kids off at school or pick your kids up. That's really important for fathers. I didn't have any women working with me, but again, I would have the same thing to them. It's important that the, the kid sees both parents contributing. And when a dad is always in, or, or, or a mom is always in and out of work at different times, it's hugely destabilizing for the family. Um, that worked for about three days on Four Squadron before we got programmed for other stuff and it all fell apart. So, you know, ideally I'd have brought a guy in at seven in the morning and got rid of them by three in the evening or in the afternoon, or brought them in at 10 and got rid of them by six or seven. But no, they end up coming in at half seven and then they leave at seven in the evening, something like that, you know what I mean? And so they miss everything because that's just how it is. It is a struggle to not get scheduled for enough SCT to feel current. SCT is staff continuation training. That is the flying that instructors have to fly. Instructors don't normally fly. They don't normally have the hands on a lot of the time. When I was teaching on this jet here, my hands are up here somewhere and I'm coaching the student through weapons events, you know what I mean? Um, there's probably, probably a bit more flying on the T1, but the issue being, you've got to go and practice those teachers because you don't want to be rubbish. You've got to give perfect demonstrations, like so perfect. You've got to be the best thing the student has ever seen because they're going to try and emulate that, right? So you don't want to get it wrong. If you're not getting staff continuation training, so if an instructor is, is qualified, but not able to go and practice those things, they feel underconfident, they feel rubbish, and they give bad demonstrations. They come back and they have to fail themselves because the student has, has not seen it, and then everyone questions their ability, and it sucks, okay? Totally sucks. So the schedulers do not respect the regulations describing the amount of SCT to be flown. Indeed, long periods pass when SCT barely exists. I know what he's gonna say, or she, 
Only a recent intervention by the boss saw some SCTs scheduled prior to the CFS visit. Yes, bosses will also always schedule SCT prior to CFS because CFS come in to examine the, their instructors to make sure they're flying up to the level they should be flying. A boss doesn't want a bad report. So before that happens, the boss will say, guys, go out and practice so that you're quite good. The rest of the year, though, I'm not having to go with the boss here because the amount of stress this dude must be under. The rest of the year, they'll prioritize student training, whatever it might be. Um, especially when it comes to the contractual obligations of um, UKMFTS. The boss here is like a figurehead on the squadron, right? So it's very difficult to do real boss things on a squadron when you're in this particular environment. I don't blame the boss for this too much. I do think, though, the boss needed to have gripped this and had a, um, a sort of tactical pause and gone, hang on, you know, people tell me we're running hot. I've got to do something about this. Let's take a day off and talk about it. They may have done that, I don't know. I do believe the Monday after I dropped the, um, the, 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 the Facebook post, which upset the Air Force, uh, I think the Monday after the station commander went in there with both feet and shut the squadron down for a day and just said, let's talk it out, okay? Let's talk it out, which is the right thing to do. So Central Flying School, the oldest flying school in the world, um, have, uh, obviously they go and visit and the, the boss gives them some training. There's been a chronic shortage of aircraft ever since UK Texan first flew and insufficient time was allowed between starting QFI training, qualified instructor training, and the first students arriving. Therefore, QFI training has been a constant struggle with C2I courses that should take eight weeks or so, taking eight months. A C2I is a guy coming from this jet who's already an instructor, goes across the Texan, and they're like, yeah, we can get you flying on the Texan and teaching on the Texan straight away before you have to requalify your A2 or whatever qualification you've got already. But you've got to do the C2I first. That's going to take about eight weeks. We'll just give you the basics, get instructing, and then I'll teach you the more advanced stuff later. But at least you're instructing, right? So being current. You want to get those CTI courses knocked out of the park. Just hit them. Bang, 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 bang. Get the guys going through them, whatever. Get them done. Get them in the jet. Get them flying. And now, eventually, we'll pick up the rest of the quals. If a CTI course is taking eight months, fundamentally, there's a failure there. Absolute failure. You've got a massive inefficiency. You've got an instructor who's come from something like this, whatever, so he knows what he's doing, sitting on a squadron for eight months not getting quelled, okay? Embarrassing fam. Do something about that. Prioritize C2I courses. Get the guys through them straight out, okay? My gravest concern is, so C2I is certificate to instruct, all right? My gravest concern is student currency. The course is 66 hours in 48 weeks. Done the maths on that one already, because I'm brilliant. Even if students smoothly progressed at a rate of 1.4 hours a week, their currency would be unsafe. Yeah, it would be. 1.4 hours a week. A student should be flying three, maybe four times a week. They're students. They don't know what they're doing. And to make it worse, they've been on holds for a year before this. So they've been on like a, maybe a, a 12 or 14-month hold straight out at the end of IOT, Cranwell. Then they've been post-EFT elementary flying training on the Grob 120TP. They've been on another 12-month hold. Then they get on to Texan here. They fly Texan at a really poor rate. Then they get on to another 12-month hold. Then they go across to 25 squadron. They fly that, and I think maybe onto four and then onto the front line. So these guys are suffering. And some of these guys come and girls come to my server on DCS and they fly F5 and F18. I teach them those two aircraft to try and keep them current. Um, but they have to go and buy a really expensive PC to do that tea break. Enough tea, fam. Enough tea, man. Love my tea. Right. Twinnings, if you're asking. Twinnings. Send me a present, send me a box of Twinnings tea. I will be your friend for life. Or if you do want to swap out my wife because you bought me nothing and I bought a Terry's chocolate orange, then chuck your phone number down there. Let's hook up. But I need you to be over 35, else there's too much of this, you know. Can't deal with it. Right, 
Yeah, so currency is an issue. Some students manage two IA trips in a month with no flying. IA is instant allowance. And what that means is you've got to keep these students current else they can't fly solo. And so the next trip might be solo. So you've got to give them what's called incident allowance. That's free flying. Uh, they could technically still fail it, but it is kind of free flying. It's not course flying. You're not progressing along the course. So, you know, you're, you're, they're not doing any other course flying. You're giving them these two free trips if they can, if you can give them. Uh, and it sucks for the students, okay? Flying solo with that little recency is a safety risk. That's a factually correct statement right there. Their crew and wall is a story about how let down they feel by the system. My goodness, they're actually posting stuff on walls. There's a lot of meme sites, mem sites, I don't know, that I follow. Um, they let me follow them because I don't post their stuff because I'm not that dude. Um, and I don't post about 95% of things that get sent to me on fast jet performance, guys. I'm not trying to bring the Air Force down, but this is a flight safety critical matter that needs to be addressed with, okay, and it's not being addressed. It probably is now because I know the station commander is trying to address it. But I also know the problems inherent within UKMFTS and the fact that it is so difficult to address these problems, the way the contracts are written. Um, you wouldn't do that again. There's parts of UKMFTS, by the way, that are working really well, and that's that's correct. But there are parts that are still struggling, all right? And we should have learned. Not me, I couldn't care less. In fact, one of the um, one of the people involved in this asked me to give him a call so he could explain it. And I said, sure, I will. Yeah, absolutely, I'll post him a day rate then because I'm a consultancy. I'm giving you this information for free on YouTube, crying out loud. I'm not phoning you so you can explain yourself. You should explain yourself to these students and these instructors who aren't getting their time. Wasn't anyone on that squadron, by the way, that called me up. Okay, right. Uh, the course should be about 25 weeks based on RF courses before MFGS. Yeah, about half a year, okay. Um, yeah, it should be. I know it's almost a year, isn't it? Jeez, it's almost a year. But I, mean, I just feel sorry for these young people. I speak to a lot of young people going through and I'm like, you're going to be over 30 before you get on the front line. You don't want to be going out to Syria and stuff, sitting in block four in a F-35, spending all your time on exercises around the world. A fast jet dude is probably, and I know other, other fleets have similar time away, but half the year is probably spent away on courses and everything else. And early 30s, your wife wants to start a family or you yourself as a female pilot wants to start a family probably. And you just start on the front line. They got to sort this shit out. It's embarrassing. Right, it is embarrassing. Let's have a look. It is as if the student experience is not a concern for ascent management. I'm sure it is, actually. I'm sure it is. But there's two ascents. Ascent flight training run, UKMFTS. There's ascent in Bristol, ascent HQ, that's what they're called. And there's ascent on the bases. Every base has like a little ascent building and people in it that work for ascent. They're very remote from ascent in Bristol. I used to work in Bristol with ascent or on the floor below them with, with 22 group. Uh, director of flying training, I was in a requirement space, doesn't matter. And I know down, here, uh, down there there's a lot of worry, don't get me wrong, there is worry in the HQ. And there's good people working in the HQ, but they're remote from what's happening on the ground up there. Now what will happen eventually, and it's happened on 4 and 25 and everything else, is the ascent that are on the base become very much embedded with the squadron and become part of the squadron family. And the squadron loves them. And the ascent on the bases love the squadron because they live there and everything's great. It takes time for those that trust to build up. And unfortunately, Ascent HQ is remote from it. It just is remote because it's in Bristol and all these bases are all over the place, aren't they? Cranwell and Valley and Shawbury. So I'm sure it is a concern for Ascent management. It is. It's just very hard for them to do something about it. Both sides both sides are, are in the wrong here, by the way. Course 4 has been here a year and only some of the students have soloed. Course 5, 10 months and not started flying. So they've been there 10 months and they've not started flying. Course 6 and 7 are here too. Start of July, September 2020. For student, continuity is everything. With course three and the number of student QFIs under training, any additional courses will struggle to progress. 
As each new course arrives, it threatens the continuity of the more senior courses, creating animosity and resentment between courses. Okay, I doubt that last bit's true, but what happens is, he absolutely ever wrote this is correct, and they do understand the system, by the way. They're saying that as each new course arrives, it does threaten the continuity of the, the course that's already going on. That's why we had to get rid of course one, finish them on the Hawk T2, and then we stopped all training, and all course two, three, four, and everything else just stopped until I got my instructors up. And then we carried on. It took about three and a half months, four months to get my instructors trained, and we cracked on. Hashtag hero, thank me later, no worries. Okay, so, uh, but they're right. I, I don't think the animosity and resentment really is there between courses. The courses don't dislike each other because one course is getting more flying. The courses don't care. They, they might be a bit like, I need to get the flying done. But you don't, you're not resenting a, anyone else. You're just trying to get all of them, all, all guys flying, all girls flying. Mental health and morale. Every single QFI on 72 Squadron, Ascent and the RF wants to do a good job and train students. Every single day, the QFIs, instructors, are ground down by a military flying training system and military flying training system management that doesn't let them do this. That's pretty damning, true though. The random scheduling leads to letting partners and children down. Some instructors have had to find time alone at work. Oh, sorry, some instructors have had to find time alone at work in an emotionally distressed state after having told their children that they won't be able to see them tonight. Again, this happens time and again. Instructors are seen as an expendable resource that can be asked to do more and more rather than properly resourcing the enabling tools. And this is why the service is gonna experience one of the greatest hemorrhaging of people once the airlines start recruiting again. And I'll tell you why that is right now. Because people that were gonna leave maybe two years ago before this whole corona thing came in, they stayed in the Air Force. They were like, I'm gonna leave, oh, I'm gonna stay. Other people that were out of the Air Force um, in airlines, lost jobs, came back into the Air Force. They kind of, you know, made up some numbers. And then the people that are ready to leave anyway now are just waiting for this corona thing to break and they're gonna leave as well. So you can lose three times the amount of QFIs that, that, you, that you had. You're just gonna lose a lot of people in, in one big go. And I think the Air Force knows this. It just, it's like anything, isn't it? Oh, there's some sand, put my head in it. Yeah, nothing to see here. Uh, whatever. Right. So, yeah, but guys, also, the thing about flying training, it's supposed to be a rest tour. And this doesn't sound like a rest tour to me. It sounds like the worst tour you've ever had in your whole life, ever, ever, ever. The training management system is labor intensive. Mission planning is labor intensive. Even just looking up a few key facts for a sortie takes tens of minutes and not a fit purpose system or courseway system that you have to log in through multiple layers and then manually search page by page in a logically set out document for the few key facts you need to deliver safe and effective training. I know Timis, training management information system, it is an Ascent product. It was a bit of a goat from the start to be fair. Um, it, it didn't really work. It was as in a rolling goat as in something that's not working properly. And I think they just try to patch it up as opposed to scrap the whole thing and buying something off the shelf. Um, it doesn't, I don't, some people will go, yeah, I like it now. Yeah, you'd be normalized. It's like that Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? When you're taken hostage, it's like, oh, I like my, 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 I like my captors. They're really nice. Yeah, I bet they are. Tea. Enough tea. Done. Mm, right. The sheer amount of effort needed to deliver the barest minimum quality of instruction with this almost complete lack of support is getting every single QFI down, ascent and military. They've got ascent QFIs there as well as military QFIs there. Just outbriefing. Outbriefing is where you go to the desk, you learn about the weather and everything, then you step to the jet, sign the jet out, go. That's called an outbrief. Just outbriefing requires so many different IT systems to be checked, cobbled together because Teamus won't do what it's needed. Teamus was supposed to tell you when you're out currency, supposed to look after your currencies, not allow people to be programmed who are uncurrent or becoming uncurrent. It never did that. It would have been great if it did, because then you just you wouldn't be able to be put on the program if you weren't current. If you had a seed roll, you wouldn't be able to be put on the program. It never did that. So uh, over half the QFIs, both it might do now, by the way, I don't know, but it might do now. Over half the QFIs, both the center military are actively looking for another job. Pretty damning, isn't it? 
No one feels they can speak about the issues on the record. Strange that. Hence why this report was anonymous, by the way. You're anonymous. When you, people start reporting anonymously on a squadron, and I never did, which is probably why I didn't go much further in my career, um, you've got a massive safety issue. And we'll, we'll look at our inability to get that latest flight safety report from the Royal Canadian Air Force as well. We've got an epilogue for that. That was, um, unfortunately, Jen Casey, was it? The death of Jen Casey with the Tutor aircraft, that span-off manoeuvre. Uh, and unfortunately, they got out late because the seats were bad and all this kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, I'll, I'll do a commentary thing on that. I've got someone internally trying to get me that report. Um, but if it is restricted heavily, guys, I won't be able to use it because if it says commercial, uh, sorry, if it says in confidence, well, I can't, you know, this thing that was sent to me has nothing not like that on it, okay? Um, it was sent to me in an email by about 28 people, strange enough. No one feels they can speak about the issues on the record as several of the sent QFIs are trying to move to part-time work and don't want to appear to be bad employees. And the military QFIs want to either get promoted or be selected for exchange aircraft type changes. So don't want to appear as bad officers. Now, resolution. The senior officers on station appear to understand the problem, but are utterly powerless to fix it. And that is the issue we have with this whole thing. A sent HQ appears to require a contract change in order to progress anything that might make an improvement. And rightly so, they're a business, right? A sense of business. They're like, oh, we're happy to change, guys. Let's just get into the contracts and change that, shall we? And the Air Force is like, no, can you just do it anyway? And the Senate is like, you have no idea how business works outside the military, which is why when the Air Force say, hey, Tim, why don't you phone me up and we can explain it to you? I'll say, yes, I'll do that, but you have to pay me for doing so. I don't, I don't work for the Air Force, okay? I can advise you, whatever, but it's going to cost you money. Yeah. These are people that haven't been out of the Air Force before. They've just gone straight in the Air Force, lived in the Air Force. They don't really understand how business world works. So Ascent HQ appears to require a contract change. Fine. In order to progress anything that might make an improvement. The Ascent management deny there is an issue and are seeking to bring students back to flying well before sufficient progress has been made with QFI flying. Standard. That's exactly what happens and that's what the problem is. Get QFIs up first, guys. Further, as the day gets longer, so will the flying day. The only way to manage a full program is to run an early and late shift. However, there are currently not enough QFIs to do this. Until more QFIs have been trained, then a shorter, manageable flying day should be used. Yeah, but if it was used, then you wouldn't get the output of students on time, ascent wouldn't get paid, yada yada. So I agree, we should, you should have early and late QFIs, because else the day does become 12, 14 hours. Marriages fail, that kind of stuff, it's a nightmare. Hawk was in the same situation until March 2020. Now we look across the airfield at the Hawk squadrons to see high morale, staff and students, a much improved conversion rate, scheduling to DCO ratio, which duty carried out. So what they're saying, they're getting, people are passing and they're moving forwards, which is really cool. SCT is being flown, all courses ahead of the line and a buzz about the squadrons. Bzzz. Their QFI schedule effectively to make the most of the weather. People and aircraft, their staff are not just a team as resource, they are humans working just as hard as us, but unable to plan their days and spend time with their families. They are happy and just want to come to work each day. They have got around the worst of the courseware with local additions and documentation. Every single 72 Squadron QFI wants to be part of the solution, but if the solution takes much longer, staff will have found employment elsewhere. Divorces may occur. There may be a fatigue or currency-induced accident, or people's mental health will be very seriously damaged. I think... We are days away from several staff being unable to continue flying. I know the station commander, he's a good guy. He's gone in there with both feet, knocking heads together. Guys, this is unacceptable. Tim is dragging the reputation of these squadrons through the dirt by putting stuff on YouTube and Facebook. 
Guys, if my social media is better than yours and you are the Royal Air Force, fundamentally something is wrong. This is why you need to allow your people to speak freely. This is what happens when you don't allow your people to speak freely. I speak freely for them, okay? This is what I do. Why not? I don't care, I'm a business, all right? So anything I make a mistake impacts me directly with, with sales of my brilliance, my products and stuff. Uh, so we've had C2I, we know that, certificate and instruct, a short course to be a probation to QFI, UK MFTS, UK Military Flying Training System, SQFI, we've done that, student QFI, coming from a big jet to a small jet. We've gone through all team is. So as you can see, guys, I'm not here to smash this around. I just don't genuinely don't care. Not an ideal state of affairs there on 72. I'm sure it will get better. It just takes time and hopefully no one will die in the process. And that's that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Hopefully no one will die in the process. But right now that's where that squadron is. It's in a very, very vulnerable place where uh, a lot of stress, a lot of people will be flying um, and they won't be as current as they should be. So um, they'll be going up anyway. They've ticked the box, i.e. they have had, they are current. I remember flying at Bristol once. I came back up. I was in Bristol doing a part-time job and also flying part-time on the squadron in this airplane. Don't do that, by the way. It's very hard to do. Only brilliantly good-looking people can actually achieve that level of awesomeness, okay? So, uh, and I came back up for a trip to teach on this aircraft. I hadn't flown for about two months and three weeks. Had not flown. I was doing a lot of typing. So my eyes have been looking at a screen this far, you know, that's my level of my eyes. I drove up to um, Valley and they said to me, Ascent said, Tim, when you get up here, we'll give you a general handling sortie so you can just go and brush up. Yeah, yeah, yeah lads, 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 thank you, Ascent programmers. Something happened, of course, um, and I ended up being the bounce aircraft for a 2v1 advanced radar sortie, probably the hardest sortie you can do as the bounce. And I was hanging onto the tailplane, like I was working the hardest I've ever worked, not only against the G and, and the nausea, I felt massively nauseous. Um, I hadn't flown for, as I said, about two and a half, a bit more than two and a half months. But again, just working out, spotting the aircraft at eight to 12 miles, managing to keep the students safe. And I came down, I was like, I think that was when I kind of said, I can't do this anymore, this is just too much for me. And I was leaving the Air Force anyway. And I said, look, I need to stop flying this thing, finish my typing job and just get out and start a new life dominating the planet. And uh, yeah just changing the world of my image. Guys, I'm gonna leave it there. Hopefully I haven't kicked them around too much. I wish them all the best. They do write to me a lot. A load of senior guys have written to me. But, you know, guys, I'm gonna talk about it because I can. You know, come on, send your senior guy onto the podcast or whatever and I'll talk through that, you know. But it's something I know a lot about and, and something I've written flight safety reports on, something I've done service investigations on to crash of these airplanes anyway, which is why I'm interested in talking about it. And you shouldn't be hiding these things. You shouldn't be trying to hide these things. I know people have, senior people have said, can you not publish day saws online because we're trying to sort out the problem. And I say to them, well, sort out the problem then. If you sort the problem out, I won't have to publish a day saw online. It's like you're trying to stop these meme accounts, meme accounts, whatever they're called. You wouldn't have to try and stop them if they weren't, if there weren't things to write memes about. You see what I mean? So sort that out. Sort the working life out of these people and then they won't have to write stupid things about it. I mean, that's rocket science, isn't it? I'll send you the invoice. Tim Davies, Fast Performance.